right, folks. So, uh, JBB Gerald here. It's interesting. You're going to hear this two weeks after the previous episode, um, or you have access to it two weeks after the previous episode, like all of them. They're every other week. Um, but this is the first one I've actually recorded in several months because I tried to get ahead of it because I knew I was going to be working on my dissertation and a lot of other projects this fall. So I recorded six episodes in the middle of August. And uh, the most recent one with Clara Bowler uh, was the last one from that time. It's now October 20th, although because of the backup, you're still not going to hear that until the end of November, early December, I can't remember which. But it just means that a lot has happened since I last recorded an episode. So we're doing something a little bit different here. I like to switch it up. Um, I know every year, well, it's only been two years, but both years you've heard me uh, have a conversation with my wife about her sort of thing. She works in nonprofits generally, but uh, more specifically, she works in housing, affordable housing. She used to work in homeless services. So uh, one of her, I guess, colleagues, uh, someone who's, well, I don't know if it's an employee, there's a specific employment relationship, it's complicated, but is a person with lived experience with housing insecurity and, and homelessness and, and so forth. So this person, uh, Khadija Davis, she uh, he has her own podcast where she talks about uh, affordable housing and the, the challenges with, you know, staying housed in New York City and in general. These are things that I think my audience really doesn't know that much about because I still think that most of you, and this is not because you're bad people or something, but most of you um, are probably the way I was. And when you think of the word homeless, um, you just think of the guy on the street, right? You know, that that is some people. They're very visible. But, you know, I don't want to quote the numbers because they'll change every year. But, like, a significant portion of people who don't have a fixed address work. A significant portion of them simply have the disability that makes it difficult for them to, to retain uh, income and that sort of thing. And we all know how low the payments for disability are. They, they don't even let you, really allow you to keep a roof over your head. Now, I'm not saying that's the case with Khadija. I'm just making the point that, like... How many of you really know anything about how the hell housing insecurity, affordable housing from the inside? So you're going to hear a little bit about it from her and about her podcast and the things she talks about. So hope that you enjoy is something different as ever. The uh, Patreon link is in the description. Please donate if you have the ability to and the willingness and want to support the work. I appreciate everybody who has uh, continued to support the podcast thus far. I didn't say the name of the podcast. It's on Standardized English. I'm really bad at that. Sorry, folks. All right. So enjoy the conversation. Okay, so welcome, everybody, back to Unstandardized English. I am JPB Gerald, as ever. Uh, this is a show about a lot of things, primarily about epistemological whiteness or white epistemology, racial linguistic ideologies, and all sorts of oppression and social justice issues, or basically whatever's in my head, because I don't focus very well. All right, so today I am here, well, on the computer, with Khadija Davis. Um, Khadija Davis is, how, I, how, how would she describe herself? I don't know. I guess I would say a housing advocate or something of that sort. Uh, but if you'd like to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about who you are and some of the things that you do, and then we can talk about the podcast. Yes. So I'm Khadija Davis. Like you said, I am the host of 
Kara Voices. My stage name and my host name is Kay Did. Um, I do YouTube. I'm an advocate for homeless people in New York City or really around the world, to be honest. And I'm a mom of one at the moment. And I'm just happy to be here and be a part of the show. At the moment. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So the tell me about the origin of Hear Our Voices. Um, you know, where it came about, like I know, but the people listening don't know. Uh, about the show, you know, where did it come from? Uh, and, you know, what is it all about, basically? So Hear Our Voices is a podcast. It's on Anchor and many other platforms. And it came about one day I was in a meeting and we were talking about different things. I do YouTube normally. And I was like, let's do a podcast to get more information out there and have it kind of um, centered around homelessness. I talk about different things. I, If you don't, well, you don't know. I used to be homeless in a shelter in New York City with my daughter. So my experience in background is that. And ever since then, I got to know more about the homeless system and kind of how to navigate it and how to advocate for myself and others in the system itself. So I was in a meeting at my job and we were talking about different things that we can do. And I was like, we should do a podcast was centered around that. And that's how it was kind of born. And I do different interviews with different people about most and foremost, and most important part, I think is getting the stories out. So we find people who used to be homeless or is homeless still in the shelters in New York City. Mostly families, but we're gonna branch out to like single people too. But right now we're starting with families. That's our, kind of our main focus. So we interview them and so they tell us about their story. There's some juicy stories in there about certain things that happened to them in the shelter and things like that, or how they got to the shelter. And we also talk about different resources out there because a lot of people don't know, like before I got in a shelter or even, you know, things like that, they don't know about a lot of resources. And if you know how to navigate the system and get what you need out of the system itself, it can help you to have your shelter experience so much better, or you don't have to go in a shelter if you so choose. But a lot of people don't have a choice but to get in the shelter because of the situation they are in, whether it's DV or fire or they just can't afford the rent or things like that. They have to um, go to shelter. And I just wanted to be have a place for them to get information that they need to have a little bit of an easier time in life. So let me tell you a little bit about some of what I do for work because I think it sort of intersects. People on listening to this podcast, they don't really know what I do for work because I don't talk about it because I talk negatively about it and I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but uh, broadly speaking, let's just say I work in city services and my day job. My, now, this podcast is mostly about the work I do for school, my research, right? You know, um, right. All, you know all the education stuff. But my day job is I work in, I don't work for the city but I work for a company that works with the city the same way Alyssa does. Um, and I work in a city office building. And that means that I work with, but not for city workers. Um, so I interact with them all the time. And I know a lot about, not the housing stuff, but I know a lot about a specific different um, agency and their you know, services. Uh, and let me tell you, there's so many services, but they're, they're impossible to navigate. 
you know, uh, and they make you jump through a million trillion hoops to get to, right. to get <laughs> half of what you need. And then if you can't, it, not because you can't understand, just because like, it's just difficult. Like one of the programs, for example, just, I'm going to, again, I'm going to be vague, but one of the programs <laughs> that I've worked with is um, there's a debt reduction program, right? Yes. And it's for people who, non-custodial parents, right? Um, right. And if they have debt, like they haven't paid their support, they they have programs they, where the city is like, if you do X, Y, and Z, then we will lower your debt. Now, oh, this wow. is this is not if you have debt to the mother. This is if you owe the city, right? Okay. That because uh, if you owe the mother, you owe the mother. It's just your problem. Uh, but like, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's not could could be the father. But you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> But if you, but because the city wants their money back because these are people who are on cash assistance, right? Right. It doesn't really care about them. They just want their money back. That's, that's really what it is. So anyway, right. they create these <laughs> systems that say things like, if you pay your, your obligation for a whole year, then we will knock off this large amount of money. Legitimately a large amount of money, but you can't make a single mistake for a year. Right. Oh my gosh. You, you can't, time. you can't miss it by a dollar. Right. For the whole year. Otherwise it gets canceled. And then they say, well, we tried, we tried to help you, you know? Uh, so, and the thing is people don't even know about the program existing. That's true. So they don't That's know the program. I've never heard existing. of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, you're not in the, you yourself aren't someone with the, the, the debt. Right. So, right. um, because you, your child lives with you, so right. If right. You, because you're custodian. <laughs> so anyway, the point is, these programs people don't know about them, and then when they find out about them, there's so much work that you have to do. City workers, understandably, only work during the workday. Oh, my computer did something. But so they only work during the workday. So if you got a job, how are you going to talk to the city worker but do your job at the same time? That's right? the problem. Right. Yeah. You know and then maybe you, you sneak off lunch break, call them, whatever, right? But then they say, you got to come to the office. Now, this is different with COVID, but I mean, just in general, like, oh, you got to yes. come come down to this office on Canal Street or something, right? But you don't live on right. Canal Street, right? Exactly. So now you got to find take a day off to go over there when now you lose your job. But like, you know, and then, and then they say, well, we can't help you. Uh, so this, that's not the same as housing, but it's the same idea. It know? is the same idea. Um, HRA does that a lot before COVID. This is HRA. And I'm talking about yeah. HRA. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, HRA was like a big, like, example, getting food stamps or welfare. Food stamps a little, got a little bit better. They made you apply kind of online before COVID. But welfare, you had to be there in person. You had to do all those things. I'm like, but you want me to have a job, but I need the money to also help me to kind of make ends meet. And then when I was in the shelter, the problem I had also, I was working. I was working part-time, but the problem is that I used, I lived in Queens. My daughter went to school in Brooklyn because I want her to have st stability in her life because she's a school she started in, her daycare she started in when she was four months old till she is, I think, about three or four years old. And then I worked in Manhattan at a, at a college. So I was literally in three boroughs every single day, well, five days a week. And I was like, this is crazy. And then the, the, also the social worker would tell me, oh, we need to meet you in person at least once or every two weeks to talk about your progress, but nothing was progressive. So I didn't really understand why I was meeting the person in the first place and nothing was changing. And they will say, oh yeah, you have to take off a day of work. I'm like, but you don't you want me to get out of the shelter? 
how am I gonna be taking a, a literally a day off work every week or every two weeks to see you and you're not even helping me on top of that it just didn't make any sense it was a cycle like it was a bad cycle and it was just it wasn't helpful and I didn't like it and a lot of the meetings I did have to miss because I couldn't afford to miss work all the time because of the situation and it was and my job didn't know I was in a shelter eventually I had to tell them because it, was, it got so much it got so stressful be, doing so much I had to just kind of give up and tell them what was going on but it was really it was really bad it's horrible <laughs> yeah I mean that's what I mean I mean truth be told I don't think because some people think right okay all these things are really hard to do and and it's really challenging and then so some people will hear this and be like oh they're sitting around in a corner twirling their mustache planning the bad stuff like it's not right. like they're not they're not bond villains right they're not sitting in a corner you know just doing that it's more it's like inertia or whatever like it's just they they can't see you know the impression they can't see the forest for the trees they 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 focus on one little detail like i'll change this right. detail and then they don't realize that like the whole thing has to change because like you know then because even the programs I'm talking about, right? A lot of the reason people end up, I can only speak about the thing I know, but like a lot of the reason that people end up in debt to the city is because they didn't go to court when they were supposed to, right? Oh yeah. Because they, because like those those deals come because they the they don't go and then they get something set up based on the other parents' argument and then they don't then they, then they don't have the money. But, but then right. so then the, so then the pe people are like, well, you got to go to court. I'm like, if I'm someone who's been in this, this situation with the city, why would I go to court? I'm not going right. to listen to you. <laughs> exactly. What good will happen because I'm I'm going to court? You probably I probably think I'm going to go to jail. Right? That's so I'm, why would I go to court? Why am I going to listen? Um and, you know, people come out of different situations which is just just tons of debt that is just seems it seems so insurmountable that, that it's just right. like well what's the point why am i even yeah. gonna try exactly you know i'm gonna pay what i'm gonna pay 25 dollars a month on my debt so the, it, but it goes up a hundred dollars every month it doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. what's the point what's the point right and uh so what i say what i'm gonna say is that i think it is like deliberate but not in the way that that sounds like i don't think there's one person sitting around trying to hurt people it's not like that but it's deliberate in the sense that they having not been in the situation themselves and usually don't know anybody aside from the clients who've been in that situation themselves but they don't know anyone from the inside right, right. uh they really think that uh people really deserve some of the things they're going through like they're not working hard enough or they're not you know like because it's all based on the societal idea that people with money deserve their money right and the people without it deserve not to have it so somewhere along the line the people in your situation or other situations they think well they didn't work hard enough you know uh oh well right. they, didn't, they didn't do the right thing they screwed up so they, they you know they should suffer uh, if you don't believe that people deserve to suffer, then you would change all of these things to make it so that they didn't. But if part of you believes that, well, I have my comfortable life because I deserve it, then you don't have much incentive to make things genuinely easier for people in more difficult situations. So when I say it's deliberate, I don't mean there's a villain sitting in the corner. I mean that they, <laughs> they, 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 you know, because it's always more complex than that. You know what I'm saying? It's true. 
Um, the impact is the same, whether it's someone being, you know, mean in a corner or it's just the way it is, but like, right. it, you know, and then what happens is it's so complex that then you try to change something and they'll say, well, we just can't change it. It's just too complex. I'm like, you made it it's, complex. Exactly. They make it so hard for people just to get help. And I'm not saying there's people out there really not trying to scam the system because I don't have the right numbers, but probably like one or two out of 10 people is doing that. But people really need the help. But the hoops that they have to jump through is crazy. I know people personally, like, like people want to meet on the internet. People I know in my actual life who want to do HRA things and they get denied. And I was like, do the fair hand. And like, no, I can't bother. I'm like, no, but they, and the thing about it, I know for a fact that they need these things. They have kids, they're not working. But because it's like so much they have to do to jump to the hoops, they don't want to do it. But yet they're suffering, the kids suffering, and they just need a little extra dollars until probably get their next job or get whatever they need. And it's just, it's too much for them. And I think they just make, the, make people's lives a little bit easier in general. The system is just broken. Because example, the path, to get into path, you have to- You got to tell path. people what path is, sorry. Oh, sorry. No problem. I, I'm, I still forget what it is. Path is a shelter in the Bronx. It's a family shelter. Well, not family shelter. It's an intake center before you get to the actual shelter. So what you do most times, you get up early. You When you get there, it's like you're walking into a jail, to be honest. Not going to lie to you. You have to basically strip down to, like, you still have your clothes on. If I'm caught on, you got to take that off. It's basically going to the airport, but you don't have a, a fun experience after you do the metal detectors. That's basically what it is. You got to make sure you don't bring any food in, no weapons, just a lot of certain things. You can bring in clothes and things like that. You can bring baby food and they do have baby food there. And you have to bring in certain documentations that they want you to, to bring in to be able to go to the shelter. You stay there basically half of your life, <laughs> basically half of the day. And they'll put you into a certain shelter around the I don't think it's Staten Island, so I believe it's only the four boroughs, but I'm not even sure about that. No, I think it's usually only the four boroughs, yeah. Yeah, from what I understand. Um, so you go to the, what they don't, most times try to do, they tell you, if you have a child of school age, they try to place you in a shelter nearby the school, but a lot of parents have experience that's, that's not true, and they put you where they basically have room to place you, because honestly, that population of homeless families in New York is very is very big a lot of people don't realize it because they kind of you can't see you can't tell a person's homeless by just looking at them so yeah and the 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 whole structure of path is basically in a way they don't want to put you in shelter but if they really have to they'll put you in shelter if that makes any sense they give you like a waiting period you have to wait um usually it's 10 days um sometimes again it could be shorter it could be longer depending what it is with COVID is a bit different. I mean, most things I'm talking about is like pre-COVID. So that's when I experienced it. But um, it's a lot of hoops. They want you to have two years of, of where you have lived prior to this thing. If you don't have like proof, they will deny you. They have to go through a fair hearing. A lot of people go there because they need to the help. Not because they think it's fancy to live in a shelter, because it's not. Shelters have roaches, rats, just dirty things, not a lot of things not working. I'm not saying all shelters are bad, but a good amount of the shelters in New York City, because they're privately owned and what's not, they don't have the best conditions. 
They don't have the safest conditions. The shelter I went to after I left Pat in the Bronx, I went to four different shelters, but the one I stayed in the longest, which was a year and like a couple of, like a month or so, we had metal detectors, cops were always there, the ambulances were always there. It wasn't the best place to live in. So people think that, oh, people just wanna go to shelter gonna get a nice apartment. People stay in the shelters for years because they can't get their way out. And also because they get so depressed that they can't leave. But um, to get in a shelter and actually be able to stay there and be able to save your money and do better for your family, it's, it's a lot of headache and a lot of problems. The, most people who work there, honestly, they say that they don't want to do their job and they don't want to help you. But it, it can be a lot. I got denied. I was pregnant, eight months pregnant, and I got denied and I needed a place to stay. They make you do so much and they don't tell you why sometimes you get denied. So you get denied and you're like, I don't know what's going on. You're trying to figure it out. It's a lot. So basically I'm trying to say in a nutshell that even if you need help, the thing supposed to help you is not helping you. And it just need to make the system a little bit easier for people who actually need the help and want to get their life a little bit better. So that's really what I'm trying to say. You know, I think about the, you know, the stuff that I read at my job, you know, the uh, um, they like to highlight the the exceptional stories, you know. Right. They like to say, "Look at this, you know, this family, uh, this this these good things happen to them," and and, and it does obviously happen. And you know, people do leave shelter. You're not shelter now, right? So it's like the stories are obviously not everybody just stays in there, but right. like for everybody who doesn't work in this system in, in the actual locations, right? All this information is just numbers on a screen. Right. You know, how much does this person owe? Where does this person live? How much, you know, oh, they missed a payment. I'm still obviously talking about the thing that I work with, but it's the same idea. Um, yeah. You know, and so people are just pressing buttons uh, and the people don't matter, but then the people, then they see the people and, you know, these people are stressed out. These people have been through a lot and, you know, it may not always be the most pleasant of people to be around. And then of course the workers are like, well, I don't want to help this person. They're not thinking that <laughs> consciously, they're not thinking that consciously, but like, you know, like if I'm stressed out, I'm sure people don't want to help me because I'm probably not fun. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just normal. Uh, but these are people whose lives are stressful, right? Not just a stressful moment, like being stuck in traffic, which I hate, but it's not my life, uh, you know, like being in a situation like you described, like, you know, the sirens are going off all the time. It's the way that basically everybody felt in New York last April when there was sirens all day long, you know? Um, right. But that's like all day, every day, every day, uh, you know? And I remember that when I could hear sirens all day and it just like was very like tense. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I mean, one of the things that I wanted to talk about is not just like other podcasts and all that, because that, that'll be linked in the description so people can go listen and they should, but uh, it's that sort of perception of like, I think that people in, who work in this, in, the, in this system, like my wife and all that, obviously they all know that there's more to homelessness than the guy on the subway. But I still think a lot of people think that that's all homeless people, right? Like that's right. what homeless people are, or we can call them unhoused, but as you point out, like changing the name doesn't really matter if you treat them exactly. The same way. <laughs> you know, like okay, fine, you want to call them unhoused, great, but you didn't help them, so who cares? 
you know, or right. people experiencing homelessness. Yeah, okay, fine, sure. But also, can they have a place to live? Like, I, like just, what does it matter if what we call them if they still don't have a place to live? Just, that's what I think. Yeah, there are better ways to do it. But I don't, right. I don't, I don't think it matters that. I mean, like it's better than not doing it. You know, say, there are more respectful ways to describe the people. But I just don't think it matters if we're still treating them the same way and making them jump through these hoops to get a place to live. Exactly. I think. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I will say, like, I think people in that situation would rather be called homeless and have a place to live than unhoused and still don't have a place to live. Right. The name doesn't matter. The problem still exists. Right. This is not going to make it any prettier. Right. You know, so that's uh, that's my thoughts on that. But the so right, like, you know, why is it that you think that people still only think that, you know, the visible guy on the street is who all homeless people are? I think the problem is that because families and singles who are in shelter are the invisible people, the people who you see on the street who are, some people are out of their mind. Because you have to think about it. Some people are sick in their mind. That's why they're there. Or it can be a person who is just dirty and they've been to shelters before, usually like single people, they've been to shelters before, but the violence or things that happen to shelter they don't want to be in that system so they have to come out of it and because people are more visual most people are visual so if they see that's what it is they're gonna say oh my gosh the only people who are homeless is that dirty person on the road asking for money with his little cup and his change on 42nd street and he, the only reason why he goes there because the tourists are there and they can get the money but they don't see that these children who are in school every day are homeless because they're in school and they look nice. They might smell good because their mom and dad want to keep up appearances at school so their kids don't get teased or whatever like that. And those are the homeless people. They don't see that as their person at work next to them who comes to work every day with a smile on their face, lipstick on, makeup on, or a man who's dressed nice, who's also a coworker, could be in the shelter. People don't think like that. They don't see it because because that person's right next to you, but they're still invisible to you, you don't know what their circumstances are. You don't see that, oh, a large population in New York City is homeless. I went, when I was at my job at my, um, at the school that I work at, another young lady, she was talking. And the only reason why I knew she was homeless and I asked her, are you homeless? And she told me yes, is because she said something. And I was like, that's like something like somebody in path would do. And I asked her, well, she's homeless. And she said, yeah, I'm in a um, family shelter. And I was like, wow. I didn't know like, by looking at her that she was homeless. I can never tell because she has a regular phone like I do. She's dressed like I am. She comes to work like I do. And granted, at this point, I'm in the shelter, so I can't really judge what people look like because I know every day they look like normal people. But by looking at us, you can't tell us that we were homeless because we don't look like a, a so-called quote-unquote homeless person. I don't know why people only think about the, the visible people, the people you can see on the train or on the street or in a tent somewhere. That's not just homeless. Homeless could be a lot of different things, sheltered, or it could be a couch surfer. Homeless have a, a lot of different criteria, but I don't know where they get this from. The only people who live on the street or this and that is homeless. Well, it doesn't I, make sense to me, but I was like that also, so I can't say nothing. Well, that's but. what I'm saying, because like I think for me, so I'm 35, right? So I grew up in New York, you know, late 80s, early 90s, right? And uh, when I'm learning about this, I'm all, all I'm seeing is somebody on the subway usually, right? 
you know, right. um, it's just um, as a kid, like, I'm, oh, that guy's outside, you know, um, and that's obvious. It's obvious that the person, yeah. like people, he, he does not have a place that he is going, right? So I'm just right. seeing that. And then I don't know much about the shelters. I hear about it, but I don't understand much about it because, you know, that's not, it's not something I'm experiencing and it's not something I'm right. thinking about. And also, you know, people don't also know what shelters look like from the outside. Um, right. People know, people will hear a story about what they look like on the inside, but they don't know that most of them are just regular buildings. That's uh, so true. So, you know, if I see a bunch of people who are staying at a shelter and they're outside the shelter, most of the time I wouldn't necessarily, I mean, I know now, but I wouldn't know the difference between that and just a regular city building. Cause they're not, if they're staying in the shelter, they're not sleeping outside. Right. So exactly. they just look like people waiting for city, city services. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, that's just, you know, I could be DMV or something. I mean, as far as I know. Right. So, and the city buildings of course are nondescript most of the time. But then what happened last year, of course, and in the last several years is that, you know, a lot of, you know, hotels turn into shelters, right? Right. And that really bothered some people. <laughs> because It did. <laughs> because I think there's two parts to it. There's, they're in my neighborhood and I don't want to think about them. Uh, right. And then there's, they see a hotel, they know what a hotel is. And now here's these people coming out of there. I don't like that. Um, right. <laughs> you know, because like they know, they see a, I don't know what a hotel, uh, it's not going to be a Hilton, but like a, um, I'm trying to think there's a hotel near here that turned into a shelter and I can't remember what, oh, I think it was a Best Western or something. Um, oh. Just a, you know, generic medium range hotel, not like a, you know, top end, but not like a, like, you know, woo hotel, you know, and <laughs> well, like, you know, there's some hotels regardless of shelter, some hotels you're like, I'm not going there. Uh, That's true. <laughs> and, and they're like more dangerous than like shelters, some hotels, you know, um, and uh so then same thing turn into shelters and people in, who live near the hotels are just like, they don't like that they can't make the assumptions that they would prefer to make. I think right. that's part of the thing. Like they're surprised and they have to deal with it being different from what they're expecting. And I think that that causes issues for people um, because they want to know there's a guy on the subway, I'm going to go over here. There's a guy on the street, I'm going to avoid him. There's a, maybe there's people I read about in the newspaper in the shelter. I don't live near there. Now the people are in front of me and I don't know where they're going to come from. I don't know what to do about that. That's true. The uncomfortableness uh, yeah. of it all. That's what it is probably. It's right. Definitely true. And you also have to, the, the thing I talked about in terms of people believing people deserve this stuff is that like, when you are confronted with the fact that most of the people in these situations are, like you said, just people who've had a run of bad luck in most cases, uh, you have to consider your own good fortune. And I don't think a lot of people want to do that. <laughs> That's true. That's definitely true. Most people live in New York paycheck to paycheck. So to think about one day, oh, it might be a big expense and that might actually take me out and I end up in a shelter with my family. It's kind of a, a scary idea to actually think of. And I think that also, as people put it in the back of their mind, that that could never happen to me. But yeah, if you're living paycheck to paycheck and one big incident does happen, you can't end up in a shelter and people don't think about it like that, which they should. So. Well, that's it. It's not, I think it would, for most people, I think it would take two missed paychecks and that's it. 
you right. know, like, cause you, you know what, if you need to like credit card for one paycheck, you'd probably do it. But then like that second, you're done. Right. You know, <laughs> you know you're, you're finished. No right. <laughs> I, and, and, uh, and that, you know, the, the landlord's not going to be nice to you. I mean, we're in a different, in a weird situation in the last year because the landlords couldn't evict most people for the last year. And right. A half, right. Um, and so and then a lot more people did get that small amount of money the government gave people. Uh, and that, but for some people, that was a lot of money. And, that, and then I think that there's a lot of people around the country who are mad that people they think aren't deserving got a bunch of money to be, to, to not be worse off. Um, right. It's just how dare they? How dare they get money for doing nothing? How dare they want to get better lives? Right. Like, how dare they want to live? Right. How dare they want to eat? Like, no, but, but people really think that way. Yeah, and it's sad. You know? Oh my gosh. And uh, yeah, that's, yeah, there's a, there's a big uh, portion of people who really think in that, like, how dare they way, you know, how dare they have dignity and respect for themselves, right? They shouldn't right. respect themselves because you know what they think, and this is what they never say to themselves. It's not how dare, it's, it's how dare they respect themselves in that situation. The rest of the sentences, because if I was in that situation, I wouldn't respect myself. Right. That's the truth. And uh, the second part is what they're never going to say to themselves. Because they think if you are in a position where you are not able to financially support yourself, then, you know, you must have made some serious errors and, you know, you deserve everything that happens to you. Um, and the real interesting thing about it is that like New York is a specific scenario because not only is it's like it's two things at the same time because here you have things are very expensive, but there's there are a lot of services they're hard to navigate but they exist. I'm not saying that's good right. or bad it's just but they do exist. Right, yeah. whereas parts of the country where things are cheaper, but there's no services at all. Right. Like, you know, That's imagine, true. I'm not saying it's worse. I'm just saying it's different, uh, you know, because this parts of like rural parts of the country. Like if you run out of money and you're in a place like that, like there's no shelter. There's no shelter. There's nothing. Right. You know, then you, you're going to have to be couch surf something. Like, I don't know what happens to you if you're in a place where there, there's no shelter, there's no family shelter, there's, you know, and, and you know, uh, there's, there's no nothing really uh, if you're not close to any kind of population center. And, you know, we think about how hard it is to get around here and the MetroCard and all that. But in places like that, like you need car, gas, cars, right. you know, and then a horse, like, yeah, something. Exactly, something, right? you, <laughs> you know, imagine, you know, as hard as it is, like you were doing that commute, imagine doing that commute across an entire county and there's no car. Exactly. And again, I'm I not think, trying to make it seem like your situation was easy. I'm, not, I'm just saying yeah. the difference, you know, it's like a place different where scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I comp- I think compared to most states, um, New York is much easier just because we are pissed. Like you have to give you they give you shelter. That's like a rule that they have. They make it hard to get a shelter, but their rule is that everybody should be housed in a shelter in some way, shape or form. Um, they do have a lot of rules. So that's the only thing. I think also with the past year that we year and a half that we have, um, the invisible people got less invisible if that makes any sense yeah because so much people were um before it was like oh we don't have these problems this is not a thing in new york 
you know, we see them on the street. It's not, you know, they don't think about the families. But because of COVID, they had to think about everybody. A lot of people were losing their jobs and they couldn't afford certain things. So a lot of people would have to end up in the shelters. So their eyes opened just a little bit more than before. It's not fully open to like 100%. It's like a 58 right now, but it's better than being open 38%. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, um, imagine a blind person. If their eyes are open up a little bit more <laughs> extra, they'll be happy to be able to see. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's what happened with the whole pandemic. It kind of opened people's eyes about how much things are really expensive in New York, the jobs and how, um, what, how much money people get. And also that people do have to end up in shelters more because they don't, they're living paycheck to paycheck. You know what I'm saying? And thank, thank you for the stimulus check. Thank you for more unemployment where you had the extra $600. But honestly, those were good incentives, but we need a little, little bit more or cheaper rent or something to help out people in New York City. It's, it's a lot. It's a, it's a hard job to do, but I think we could get it done if we just stop, you know, messing around and do other things that's not as important as this, you know? I think that um, one of the, like, what I've noticed is I went back to my office about a month ago, right? And, uh, and one thing I noticed is that, like, well, because I work for the city, it's a little different. So, like, my physical office it's not there's people there right um yeah. or i work in a city office but like there's a lot of people in my building who were in private companies right and they're just in the office building and a lot of them are still not there right um and which means the elevator is empty which is fine with me but uh <laughs> what is interesting about it is that when i walk around the mall because there's a mall under my office um with shops yeah. and everything and like the things that cater to tourists are open, like the Apple store, right? right? Um, but then a lot of the smaller, like restaurant stalls and that, you know, that were not expensive or anything, but just places that were clearly dependent on office workers have closed. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's, not there's, there's no foot traffic, right? right. You know, the tourists are mostly back. And then the, the like shopping shopping is there, like the, you know, um, you know, places to sell jewelry, like, you know, people buy, those are things that don't need that many people because this stuff is expensive. So you only need one person to buy, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. But the places that just need a lot of people to come in and out, they close. Now, what is my point about this? It's that the private workers who didn't really feel the, the effects of the pandemic too much, and I'm including myself in that. Uh, I mean, obviously it wasn't, it hasn't been fun, but I'm just saying like, you know, I was never in in as much danger because I was being smart about certain things and I was yeah. not put in danger in other ways. Um, right. But what happened to all those workers in those small stores? Right? You know, right. I think about them because I used to go to this little sandwich shop. It's not there anymore. What happened to them? You know? Right. Uh, and, you know, when I think about like business travel, like people for reasons that confuse me, have returned to doing a lot of tourist stuff on planes. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you gotta visit your, if you want to visit your family, it's one thing. And I'm not saying that, you know, you should or shouldn't do that, but I'm not going to tell someone not to see their family if they've taken their shots and all that. But like, yeah. you know, why are you, going, why are you going to Disney World? Why do you need to go to Disney World? Anyway, but the point is, <laughs> the, the, the numbers last, this past summer, were, were not so bad for the like regular traveler flights but the business right. travelers didn't come back because those offices are still closed 
my That's point cool. is that doesn't affect like the, the tourists are fine but that affects the regular workers at the airline not the pilots not the execs right so all of the people who the people who were already in a really difficult situation stayed in a difficult situation and you know had the, the disproportionate effects but those people who were really precarious have had some like really serious things happen i think that happened to a ton of people and like you're saying some people really noticed that that was the problem um, that was a very long way of saying that, but I'm saying that like <laughs> because, because private workers were protected so much, right. self included, that there were certain things that depend on private workers doing what they always did that really yeah. suffered. And I think there's a lot of people who are in those sort of auxiliary things like those like there's bars, you know, like that are near offices, right? You know, right. Things that are those things, those people really, you know, are are pushed down a little bit. And I think that that is is, is a, a sector of the country that really has suffered. And um, and I'm not saying we should just send people back to the office for no reason. I'm just saying that like that is a lot. Like the people who depend on office workers is 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 something. Because, right. you know, um, and uh, right. So I don't know. I just I, I think about the workers who worked in those shops and worked in those places um, and and how they I, I like they're gone. I don't know what I don't know what happened to them. You know, shops gone. Right. It's kind of sad because um, those are usually like sometimes mom and pop stores. And mom and pop at this point is like 70 years old. So like they really can't even start back from the beginning. Um, I feel bad for those families who definitely have to find something else to do. And they, they really are hurt by it. I don't know what to say to build them up. Honestly, we don't know when we're going to go back to normal. If we ever go back to normal, to be honest, these people are saying, oh, we're getting back to normal. But we really don't know because this thing is going in literally waves. And it's like a wave over the world. <laughs> and it's just, it's not, it don't seem like it's gonna stop anytime soon. So those people in smaller places, it's not like a McDonald's or, you know, McDonald's will probably stay up for a minute. You know, if the food, we don't like it as much. We still tend to eat it anyway, you know, on an emergency basis or whatever. And I don't know, I feel bad for the families. I feel bad for everybody who's involved with it. And people just basically had to just put everything down. I thought restaurants was doing a little bit better because of, you know, Uber Eats and stuff like that. But I think a lot of them did, you know, some places did close down because of these things because they weren't able to stay open because of the, you know, panoramic. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think I think what happened is that we just sort of had a, a split in half where some just disappeared and some continued to do well. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I think, yeah, so I think about that a lot. And I think, so, you know, back to your housing situation then, because we got off and that's just what happens when I start having a conversation <laughs> um, is, you know, I think it's really the, the definition of, of homeless, there's a, there's a legal definition, right? But then right. the way that people see it is, you know, um, technically it really just means like you don't have one fixed address of your own right that's true right is this what it means there's no fixed address of your own i mean you could live with a bunch of people but that like by choice but like 
you know, and then you have like, you know, the doubling up of families, right? Are those people homeless? Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they live right. there. They've been living there forever. So are they homeless or are they not? Right. Uh, um, and so I just think that to, to most people, it's a binary between homeless and not homeless, but I think it's more of a spectrum is what I'm saying. Um, to people who like this, the guy on the street is one part. And then there's people who are in shelter, people who are in supportive housing, people who are in, you know, like regular housing, but they get a subsidy, right? You know, like there's, there's a whole bunch of different categories here. And, and if you're not in that scenario or you don't work in the system, people just think that there's the street and everybody else. Right, <laughs> definitely. That's definitely the divide of it all. And then there's um, also there's also like so someone who's who who's near us here in my neighborhood. He he sleeps outside, but he has an apartment. Really? Yeah. Well, he he's changing his clothes. He's not in a shelter, and he changes clothes every day. Um, he doesn't have any clothes outside with him. He's no. He's told us he has an apartment, but he said he doesn't like to go there. Something's going on. But the point something is, is like, wrong. <laughs> yeah, something's wrong. But the point is, like, even the people who are outside, they're not all homeless. <laughs> you know, That's weird. Right. I've never heard of that. Right. Why would you choose to sleep outside? I don't know. Right. But there's, you know, there's like you said, some people just like, because that doesn't make any sense, right? Like you're just like, why would you expose yourself to the elements? It's not, especially it's getting cold again. You know what I'm saying? Um, but some people make these choices. And I think sometimes it's hard when you talk about people being sick and all that, it's really hard for people who aren't in that situation to understand that the people don't have any ability to get out of the impairment that they have, you know, and, you know, accessing appropriate treatment for mental illness is very difficult and expensive a lot of the time. Um, so it's easier to just sleep outside. Uh, and, you know, people wonder, you know, why would the decisions people make when they have different mental illnesses uh, and also when they've been through the trauma of poverty or whatever it is that, let, that led them to the shelter is like, it's hard to get out of those, those thinking patterns. It's true. So. It's true. That's so weird. I know people, a lot of homeless people have like their storage lockers because that would happen to me um i have a storage locker because i'm getting stuff up my apartment i don't have the space for it and when i went to the place to go look it up um and then the, the guy was giving me a tour it was this guy literally across me i was like oh my gosh he's gonna do something to me that's not so bad to, look, to say but it's like i don't know how safe you are i don't know why you're in your locker but apparently he was in there he's he, oh he don't stay there overnight he just keeps his stuff in there in the daytime obviously and it was just weird because every time I came there, I would see him there. I'm like, when I used to, when I was in the shelter, I had a storage locker, but I never stayed there. I went there once in a while to get things. I just never understood why people stay there on a daily basis. And at this point, it's not cold. It's still summertime. So I didn't understand why he was staying in the locker. Probably he's more comfortable there. I don't really know. And it was just interesting how people do things so much like differently. They had to say their own idea. I don't know if he was mentally stable because he did some stuff while he was there or that I found out about. I'm like, I don't know if he was okay or, or what it is, but this is very weird. I think New York City just needs to, to help the people and 
they need to make the immense, like the healthcare industry for people with mental illnesses a little bit much like easier because the problem is that this is a health issue. Um, put, try to get everything with Medicaid or something like that to help people who really need these things. And people are out here just losing their mind and they probably want simple medicines or just put away somewhere where they couldn't hurt themselves or hurt other people. It would be great because you'd be surprised. I was in Bryant Park the other day and this man, he was out of his mind and the cops had to come and stuff like that. He was just yelling at people. People weren't bothering him. He was just yelling at them. A person in the right mind is not doing that. That's not what the, a person in the right mind does. The problem is that, yeah, the cops can run him, but the problem is that he needs help. So if we just help these people to get off the street and be able to do better for their lives, I think that would be much more helpful than just running them away, not wanting them to be part of his society. The problem is that they are a part. You just don't, you don't choose not to see them. So um, just make, need to make things more affordable and be able to help people who need to be helped and not make people who are richer, richer. That's not what we're here for. We're here to help everybody who needs the help and who can't afford to get what they need to help with them and their families, to be honest. You know, unfortunately, even the, you know, mental health care that we have usually just makes people richer, right? You know, it, it makes the CEOs richer, right? You know, you say, we want to get them help. And so what, what company is going to swoop in and offer it? Say, I'll do it for a low cost, right? And then, you know, they'll make all the money off it. And it's true when they say I hear the siren and all that, like when I hear, you know, after like April of 2020, when the sirens were just like every day, now I'm really sensitive to when I hear them. And then I realize that like 90% of the time I hear sirens because it's going to the shelter down the block. And some people got in an argument. Some people, you know, that's usually what's happening, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, the cops basically are frequent flyers at the shelter there, you know, and it's just like, it's a single women shelter right um and like you know i just did they, you you want people to get out of the shelter into a better scenario but if that's all they have like wh what how can you possibly get to a point where you're going to be able to support yourself either financially or just emotionally right you're trying to get to a yeah. get to, to a better place literally a better like a move to a physical better place but you're stuck in in that environment uh and that's not an environment that is going to, i mean it's not too different from jail in the sense that like well you're supposed to put him in jail so they can rehabilitate but what is what's it like in jail right you don't come out of there better um no. <laughs> you know and then it's like oh, why did he reoffend? it's like what what did he learn in jail uh nothing <laughs> right he learned how to how to evade capture basically it's like oh well this is how i don't get caught next time that's what he learned in jail um so i don't know man it's a mess what do you think that uh so yeah what are some of the goals you have for you know the upcoming episodes of your podcast like what where are some of the things you really think people will get out of listening to us you know if people listen to this and that you know they enjoy the conversation they should check it out but like what are some things you think people will will really benefit from hearing? Because like it's it's called it said it's going to lift the voices of people with the lived experience like yours. Um, but what else? You know, what other benefits will they get out of it? I think they will get resources of different things, and some of the resources are multi-purpose resources that they have on the um, episodes. I think also people might not need it right now, but you never know when you end up in that predicament that you might need it. And might like, oh. I remember this podcast I listened to. Maybe I have to go back to it or research about more things that they can use to make themselves better. 
Um, also, they can see that people are not invisible, that people are, they have stories. If I'm looking at them, you might think, oh, this person's all right. I never went through anything, but yet they, this person that you saw who looks normal wasn't, I guess, normal. You know, they went through a lot of struggle and it's not to judge a book by its cover. It's about listening to the story and saying, oh, wow, they got this. And the one person I went to shelter was thinking about when the episode came out already. The reason why she ended up in a shelter is because her ceiling fell on her. Not because she didn't have money for her rent, but literally her ceiling fell on her and her son while they were in bed sleeping at night. Who would think that a person would go in a shelter because of that reason? You know what I'm saying? So it's just to hear their stories and know that things happen to people in different ways and that's how they end up in this situation. But these people, you don't have to stay there all the time. You don't have to stay your whole life in the shelter. You stay there for a period of time and you get out and you make a better life for you and your kids or you just need yourself if you're a single person. So I hope that's what they get out of it. Resources and be able to know that people, people are homeless are people too and they're not just an outcast of society. They're still part of society even if you don't realize who they are in a sense. All right. Well, that's a good way to, to sort of sum it up there. Uh, you have any... <laughs> final thoughts that you might want to share with people about um, you know the work that you're doing and all that um treat people the way you want to be treated and come on down and listen to the podcast if you can um follow us on twitter and everything like that you can follow me too i'm kate davis on youtube and i do a lot of different other things and i talk about other different issues in general and yeah that's pretty much that all right, Kadisha, thanks for joining me. Uh, this was definitely an interesting conversation. And uh, I hope that people listening to this get a different perspective from what they might have assumed that they knew about people who are homeless. And again, uh, it would be better if you actually helped them than giving them a new name. <laughs> That's true, definitely. Okay.